time, before we get to today's episode, we have a quick word from our sponsor. Tired of drinking out of a boring tumbler? Want to make your morning coffee cup one of a kind? Expand with tipsy tumblers. You can special order cups, shot glasses, bookmarks, rolling trays for your cigarettes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you can get one with a picture of a special someone or one with Spider-Man. The options are endless. You can upload your own pictures or pick from her selection of design. You can use the code GAMES2023 at checkout to save 10%. You go to angeltipsytumblers.myshopify.com. There will also be a link in the show notes. Now on to our episode today. Mike, turn your games down. Episode 213 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbardin, and who's running from the police with me tonight? <laughs> hey, this is Nathan Nidell from your Overblood group. Welcome. Hey, this is Stuart Lanningham, also from the Overblood group. Welcome to another new person. And this is Dominic, the one, I guess, not the new person, but the sleepiest person here, <laughs> also from the Overblood group and many other episodes of this podcast. Yeah. Hi, Dominic. And also from the Dissonant Waves podcast. Yes, thank you. Yes. Of course. So thank you guys for joining me. And we are here to talk about a game that I have never played until this past week. And I played Ooh. the game almost twice, which wow. I'm, I do have a story. We are talking about Mirror's Edge, developed by DICE, published by EA. <laughs> written, have you written by <laughs> Rihanna Pratchett. Yes. I did not know that till like five minutes before we started recording this. Yeah. Also, like writer, also writer of Heavenly Sword, Viking Battle for Asgard. And the Overlord series. And uh, and the Tomb Raider reboot. Yep. Yes. Yep. 2013 and 2015, among others. I don't have course, a Wikipedia page open now. No, not me. I just know this by memory. <laughs> and of course, also the infamous uh, Telltale game. The Telltale collaboration with Ubisoft. CSI, Fatal Conspiracy. What is... What? I don't even think I know it. I've never even heard of this game. Oh, wait. Uh, I like, lied. Uh, I actually own it next to me. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm not, I forgot, because at one point I was buying these, these CSI games were like dirt fucking cheap. Well, my oh, absolutely. Cheap. So I would I, I collected games like if it was like five, if it was under ten dollars. and I didn't own it. And depending on I'm like, yeah, I'll go buy a game this week. OK, I'll go. I'll go grab this. So, yeah, I, I at the moment I said that I looked over and saw the game staring at me on my shelf to, in my C's. That's funny. I have two CSI games. No idea which ones they are. because I can't read the, the other part of it from this distance. But yes, I own two CSI. Games, so, oh, it's an episodic adventure game. I'm sure you would be able to put on a show very easily. But I have to play it. It's Telltale. It is Telltale. It's the, it's, oh, wow. Telltale's been around since 2005. My God. Yeah. I've only done one Telltale. many Telltale games, and I'm looking at the list. I'm still. Yeah, there's, I've only done one on the show, which was The Walking Dead Season 1. Okay. Which, phenomenal game, by the way. Yes, but it's, I don't, I have an issue with it, so. It's too okay. dark. Well, I have problems. With, I have problems with really depressing, really dark games at times, where it's like I just don't have the urge to continue with them. You know, it's not as dark and depressing though as Mirror's Edge. Yes. Well, I mean, it can be. <laughs> it didn't bother well, I mean, me. It's actually a, a very light and shiny and like vibrant game for what it is. In a very dis- dystop- dystopian future. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I, it's only dystopian if you don't want that future, right? Oh, okay. You <laughs> you know what? You are 100% right. <laughs> dystopia is what you make it. <sighs> it's for, a, for a teenager who was probably reading Animal Farm in 1984, a year or two before this came out, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I have a quick thing I want to mention about this. Um, my original memory of this game was in, I want to say 2008, I would have first seen it. Uh, I didn't have a 360 or anything yet. I had just moved here. My son was not even one yet, and I didn't have any money. And my buddy had a uh, hack uh, 360. So what they used to do, they used to either rent games or if people had, they would get games however they could. I think they rented them, and then they would burn them on, burn copies of them if they liked them. And I remember I went over to his to his house to probably, even, I don't think I didn't even have internet at, 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 the, at right away when I first moved here. I didn't have any money. <laughs> so... I remember I, I go over to his house to download stuff to put it on a flash drive, and then I he was playing Mirror's Edge, and that was the first time I had seen it. And I'm like, huh, I gotta play this one day. So I bought this game multiple times, three times, 360, PS3, PC, and I didn't play it till this past week. <laughs> wow, so yeah. it's been on my it's been on my mind to play this game for you know, years. So what, what, you how did you find it? Like, did it meet your expectation of what you thought it was going to be? Yes, I would say yeah. It's anything that that surprised you in in the execution of it. We'll we'll, we'll get there more, but oh. just yeah, we'll get there more. If we go on. <laughs> I don't want to start with that. But um, Dominic, what is your history with this game? This is one of those I probably played early on in this generation because I got a PS3 in like '09, and that was my like introduction to like HD video games. You know, like I had a Wii, but that doesn't count. <laughs> So, like, Assassin's Creed 1, this, Genji, Days of the Blade, those were, like, the early PS3 games that I had. This came a little bit later, but this is definitely one of those, like, one of those games I finished and, like, actually sunk my teeth into because it's like, oh, this is different. This is, you know, unique for a video game at this time. It still is unique, I think. Yes. But, like, I mean, like I said, the, the, the story, you know, I read... Animal Farm 1984, not too long before I played this. It's like familiar territory in that way, right? But for a video game, you know, something way different. And Stu, what about you? Yeah, so I I got it at release. Uh, There used to be a a GameStop because I worked in a mall uh, right across from where I worked. And the the manager there was very good at his job and about pushing pre-orders. And so go over there every week and he would tell me about what was you know, new coming out and remember him, you know, telling me about Mirror's Edge, showing me, you know, pictures in, in a magazine. So pre-ordered it, bought it, and yeah, kind of the kind of the same experience y'all are talking about. Like it it was it was so different than what I was used to playing, right? Like it was something that you hadn't seen this kind of style or, you know, movement or control scheme in anything else before. And just kind of fell in love and played it all the way through and became a favorite game of of the time for me okay yeah what about you Nathan? for me personally i know when it came out in 2008 i was still behind on the game series for everything else so like i wasn't playing god of war the first one until probably 2010 so i was mm. constantly behind every little bit but i did have a playstation 3 so in 2008 that's when i started to say you know a lot of these games are coming out now that i need to play so it was fallout 3 Grand Theft Auto 4, Little Big Planet, even Gears of War. I was trying to just catch up and stay on track with all the new games that people were talking about. And Mirror's Edge was one of them. So it was just a, a major collection purchase. I think it was, it. I got it with Far Cry 2 and a couple of other things. And it just went into the back burner for a bit. It was mostly Grand Theft Auto 4 because it was released the same year. So I was playing that a lot. I was playing my Metal Gear Solid. I was enjoying all of that. And then Mirror's Edge, I said, you know, I want something a little bit different because it was just shooter, 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 or action, yeah. action, action. 
Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So I popped in Mirror's Edge and it was, it was a genre defining experience for me. I, I was just enthralled from the very, very beginning of playing it from entering into the, the colors to seeing Faith and how she interacted with everything. It just, it changed my opinion on what video games could be. It kind of opened my mind up to, oh, it just doesn't have to be pick up a gun, keep leveling up and then go from level to level. There could be some real, almost in intimacy with the characters and i really appreciated it for that so that was 2008 yeah i picked it up okay. put it on the back burner for maybe six months and then loved it when i started playing it that's cool so i think yeah. this is a really good example of an era of games from like 05 to like 09 010 or 09 to 10 where it's like hd was so new and like yeah, they were just kind of doing stuff right like the like ea was doing dead space and this and you know you had random yep. games like Eat Leather, the Return of Matt Hazard that were just That's like a good game. Well, like, <laughs> Sorry, I really like that game. Just things that were so different because HD was such a new hurdle to cross over that like you also had like Bullet Witch or something like that, where it's just <laughs> these weird yeah. experiences that were HD and new and like expanded like the darkness. You know they couldn't do that in like a PS2, but my God, the darkness was such a great game. But there were so many attempts to do new things and have new IPs just happen, right? Like, Uncharted was way new. It was like a whole sea chain. And then, like, around 2011, I think, is when we kind of got back into, like, a sequel rhythm of just keep pumping it out, keep pumping it out. Right. I would agree but with that. This this early HD era was so cool just because you could get a Mirror's Edge. You could get, you know... A braid. Uh, yeah, braid a braid. Came out in 2008. <laughs> yeah, or like Heavenly Sword, just the year before. Like all these weird new ideas. Yeah, wasn't it also PSP time too? So like, what wasn't there yes. a few games that was just so unique? Like, a, was it Doki Doki or something like that? Or like World of Goo? Like also came out like yeah. random little unique things in 2008. It was such a great year, not only for games but for music too. Not that I'm saying I'm a pop punk <laughs> fan, but Fallout Boy 2008 from Under the Cork Tree. Let's go. <laughs> I've never, I don't think I played enough stuff from, I, I'm trying to go back. There's so many games that I missed from that era. I'm trying to go back like, and play. Like, what do you remember from the Wii launch, right? You remember Wii Sports, you remember Zelda, and then like a game like Elibits. I don't remember Man, see, I, And I was so far out of Wii. You know what I did have? I had the steering wheel for Mario Kart. I do remember for my Wii, I had two of those steering wheels that you put your Wii mode in. And then you could, you could drive around. And that was that literally, was cool. yeah. And they could just sell you a hunk of plastic. Yeah, they just sell you a hunk of plastic. And now, Nintendo, they, they realize, no, 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 we don't have to do hunks of plastic. Let's just do hunks of cardboard. Hunks of cardboard <laughs> is way more cost-effective. Oh, yeah, but I'm not going to see Labo shit in 15 years clogging up used game stores, I promise you. <laughs> but you guys are right, though. Like, when it comes to, you know, Mirzette, it really is something so unique and different. And I think that's what had me interested, because I've thought about this game over the for years. I've been thinking about it. Like, oh, I should really play this one day. And this has actually been on the, uh, it was supposed to be on the show about three times already at this point, but I kept taking it off for one reason or another. I was just like, oh, I'd rather play this right now. There. And finally I said, fuck it. I need to do this. <laughs> no, not fair. No, I'll be devil's advocate here. Not fair. You should have played it sooner. <laughs> that happens. I mean, yeah, I actually... you should have played it sooner, but I can understand not wanting to do it, right? It, it, oh, yeah. it's, it's something you've not really played or seen in 10 plus years, you know. It's a different Did experience I... compared to those of us who have like done it once or twice. Right. And then no, I never do. I still have rose colored glasses. You know, can I get into the same mentality of 2008 and enjoy it the same way? I mean, I I had a I had a blast playing this game for the most part. Like I one thing I, I do want to say, like for Mirror's Edge, it's because we I mean, we get tons of first person shooters. We get tons of first person games, especially in the 360 era. 
And this is a first-person game, but it's all about parkour and traveling. Combat is really just an afterthought. I mean, you, you, if you can, you want to skip all combat. I mean, you can. You play this game completely. Wait, did everyone, what did everyone play? Did everyone, did everyone, did people use guns or did everyone skip combat and just do, like, melee? I shot everybody I got the chance to. First playthrough, same thing. I didn't know what to do. I, I was familiar with first-person shooters, so yeah, absolutely. But on my... I think I've probably replayed it or just picked it up maybe eight to ten times since it came out. I Yeah, I've, of course, tried to do the no guns. It's not as fun to me. I see a gun and I want to pick it up, man. <laughs> I just want to start <laughs> blasting fools. Yeah, but you, as soon as you pick up a gun, like you, you are setting yourself up for failure, right? Because it slows you down. The aiming is not great. And there are so many enemies that unless you just like hide behind something and pick them off when they come around and, you know, spend 10 minutes clearing an area, like you're going to get shot once and have to restart. And it's just right, man, it it just slows everything down to a crawl. I I didn't at first. It felt like it it was a disadvantage to pick up a gun. That, that is a good point. Absolutely. I only, I did it later on when the enemies get stronger and it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, if there was a part where there were multiple parts where it was annoying to get past, I played this easy too. So I could take a few shots. That's when I started shooting more because I'm like, okay, you guys are annoyance and I need to get rid of you in order to get through this part. So I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. But I, don't, I think I've shot, I believe I have enemies I've shot in this game over several playthroughs. I could probably count on one hand just from accidents usually. Well, I, I kill a lot more than huh. that, but okay. Same. <laughs> like, I, I, there's something about doing it without any guns that is just so satisfying. Like, it gets hard. It gets super hard. It's like a Dark Souls run at points of just like, okay. <laughs> I know I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to do this, get around this enemy, do this, but I, you know, stumble at step two and three 15 times. Yeah, no, it's really curious to know if that was the plan all along. Like, if the guns were added in kind of as, like you said, like, like an afterthought, but probably it's nice. Never pick them up. Like, they, they weren't supposed to be in the game. You're supposed to be able to get around everything, and they didn't want you to engage in combat. I can definitely see that, oh, you're dice. You you should know you know how to make gun combat. You make battlefield. Put it in. Plus it's EA. I feel like EA would do something like that. Like just make them I mean, I think or any big publisher probably be like, nope, you're putting in like I think this game could have been fine just without without guns, period. Yeah. Like you maybe tone down the enemies a little bit near some of those near some of those end parts. But other than that, like I, I would have been okay without that being an option. It wouldn't have mattered to me. This is the era of forced multiplayer anyway. So, I mean, it makes sense. It's plausible. This has multiplayer? No, but so many games had it, like Bioshock 2 or something. Or Uncharted 2, even. Yeah, no, that was... Well, that was the era, too. I mean, 360 PS3 era was huge. Like, we gotta make everything multiplayer. Right. I'm glad this isn't multiplayer. I'm glad they didn't try to throw it in there somehow. I agree. This was such a unique solo experience, and at the time I was playing mostly solo games, I probably would have been a little turned off from it if it had a multiplayer aspect. I mean, I still only play single-player games, but at the time, that's mostly what I played, too. I I stay away from everything. I I can't play multiplayer. My friends, some of my friends will want to. I'm like, I just, I can't. It's just not, I don't like it. It's gotta be, for me, it's gotta, except for Marvel Snap. I will play Marvel Snap. That's multiplayer, but that's different. (laughs) But that's it. I just don't like everything for me is single-player. Same here. But that's why thing... Mirror's Edge just stuck out to me so much, because it, it was undoubtedly single player. It really forced you to be in Faith's shoes. It really forced you to know what her sister's doing, to know what the world is like. I like that. It forced me yes. to be in it as myself. And it has yes. good world building throughout throughout this. So, I mean, as I made the joke earlier on, it, it is dystopian. I mean, but only if you don't want that. Like, the whole idea that the whole world is pretty much 
like governed by the government, so everything mm-hmm. is owned by corporations, and there's no like what freedom of speech. I guess I'm guessing and stuff like that, really. Yeah, so the like the runners are meant to be like the people getting the real information, the real kind of talking out there, right? Which uh, and what is... a great storytelling <laughs> aspect too. Like it, it did, it puts you in that shoes of the runner. So you're like, okay, I am in charge of this good information of this this private information that they don't want you to know. Like within the first what 20, 30 minutes of the game, they made sure to know who you were, why you were doing it, and your your motives for doing it. Yeah, yeah. I also think that they they didn't focus too much on that part of it in the first game because uh, as someone who has tried to play Mirror's Edge Catalyst multiple times there becomes a monotony to just delivering random messages to people as a courier like you don't want to get too into that role mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like a it's like the scope of a project right you can make anything about anything but how does that tackle that actual subject that's the part that matters right and the mirror's edge you don't know what any of the messages are it doesn't matter no they're just things just- you collect a runner i mean you really you're not even that like in this in this one you're you're barely you're barely really delivering that many messages i think you start off but for the most part you're really just trying to save your sister and sister. your sister gets right. blamed for gets framed for a murder so your whole thing is just how can i you know prove she's innocent because in this right. government and, they kind of say yeah. like yeah you're already guilty like right. and <laughs> you, it's have, all a sham. you have a, a couple scraps of paper you might see and might understand that this is this or whatever but there's something in a, in a lesser game that would like be a cover up for weak story writing where well, it doesn't matter what the messages are. It's all about the experience. It's all about the philosophy. But this game managed to pull it off in a really nice way where everything you're doing fits so well and feels so good for the most part that it doesn't matter. Like, it, I don't need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that was a nice touch. It's really just, you know, you go from mission to mission, but it's really just faith doing what faith needs to do her own thing like i mean again you're most of it's all you just trying to prove your sister's innocent and i I really like i like that as a touch where it didn't i mean i would have enjoyed the more political intrigue i i think either way but i was happy that it it really is just a a story focused on her and on what she's trying to do and like it goes into her backstory how her parents were killed and they were protest you know protesting and against the government and stuff like that and and how your sister's a cop and then you're you know you're a runner which is an illegal you know you're person you know what you're doing is illegal which is kind of it's cool how they make it work in this hey you live on the edge the mirror's edge yeah oh he said it (laughs) of course he was (laughs) one of us was going to at some point in a weird way this is like a weird opposite of like assassin's creed where that's also about like you know living on the edge of the government and doing all this like you know finding out the truth and doing all this yeah everything's allowed or nothing's allowed everything's permitted (laughs) permitted yeah (laughs) And like this is like a weird like other end of that coin of this is a really direct experience that kind of tackles some of the same things and really gets you going on this action adventure where that's such a more plotting like exacting time. Yeah, it's everything that I wanted Assassin's Creed to actually be. Like I would have loved an Assassin's Creed first person where you were Desmond in his world and you got to play in that sort of sandbox. But you know, oh, here's well, to me. Was you know, I was waiting. Have you that? played? Have you played Assassin's Creed Revelations? I'm sure you'd love that. Um, um, <laughs> I know what he's talking about. Which one Revelations was? What? Hold on. It's the one in Turkey, the last Ezio game. Uh, it's where you're in game. first person in Desmond's world, dealing on like platforming adventures. Oh, that was yeah. The but aren't you missions. in like a? Oh, I hated those. Yeah, they're oh, terrible. I remember that. 
I actually did not mind those, but those were not, yeah, those are not awful. I've always thought those were very weird and interesting that Ubisoft did that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that they liked Mirror's Edge. They said, we can do that, right, guys? I mean, the the reason why Mirror's Edge works so well is that everything, like, flows really good. Like, one of the few things I knew about this game before I started playing it, because I kind of went into this mostly blind. I didn't watch, a lot of times I'll watch speedruns of the game before I play them. I didn't do anything like that. I just just picked this i just put it on my steam deck and i just started playing it one day and like i knew about the red like okay look for red red will help lead me in the right direction which in my opinion they stopped doing that after a certain point there's much i couldn't figure out i got lost a few times like where the fuck am i supposed to go (laughs) yeah yeah until you get that quote-unquote runner's vision and you're you're at that full speed almost everything looks planned and then even when you get to the runner's vision by the time you get to full speed you're already booking it you don't have time to look for tiny little red ledges you just jump in and hoping you make it yeah no i i missed it i liked when i had more red stuff to kind of help point me like i love the fact that the doors are red almost always yep. to help you like mm-hmm. hey this is where you gotta go like i i yep. really like that which is funny because games like uncharted they'll do that kind of stuff and everyone complains about it because it's so obvious where you have to go right this ledge go up here do that this little oh yeah we get it but in a game like this awesome it works. I personally like being told exactly what to it. do. <laughs> oh, really? You're a, you're a go here, do this type. I mean, it, I feel like Mirror's Edge struck a good balance, though. I get it that the throughout the game, the red started dissipating a bit. But, I mean, it at least gave you those options, and you learned where to go. You learned you learned to look for vents in level two. You learned to look for rails uh. <laughs> in level one. So by the time you got to the end, I felt like I knew what I was looking for, at least. For the most part. In that era, also, that EA was was really trying to minimize the HUD, right? Like with Dead yeah. Space, they were they yeah. were taking the health bar, putting it on the character, like just keeping the screen clean and using the environment to kind of guide you is is something that I really think influenced a lot of uh, games after Mirror's Edge. A hundred percent agree. And then games started giving you the options. You know, you could turn off this on the UI. You could edit this on the UI. And that started a trend that I've always been in love with because I'll, I'll turn off my reticle once I get good enough in a shooter. I'll turn off my health bar once I kind of know, oh, the screen turns red. And Mirror's Edge was like, hey, you don't have to have any of this on the screen. You Even Dead Space, you don't have to have it on the screen to still have an immersive, enjoyable experience. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, I didn't really think about it, but like, you, yeah, this is one of the games that really starts that whole atmosphere that that comes a lot more and i enjoyed it there was no hud this was one of the few games where i was like man i wish i could play this in vr even though i know i would not be okay because i okay i'm personally i hate heights and there were a few (laughs) a few points in this game where it hit me and i'm like oh because i because i first i played this on steam deck and then i realized that and i got about i thought i was halfway maybe a quarter i just met i did the mission where you first chased after jackknife and then I said, this isn't right. I, I need to play this. I, I, I downloaded on my PC. I sat down in the dark one night and I turned off all I turned off all the lights. I put headphones in. So the only light in my basement is just me sitting in my laptop playing Mirror's Edge on a keyboard and mouse. And it was mm-hmm. a perfect experience. Yeah. It was just oh, like imagine. completely submerged in the game. My wife was sleeping. So I didn't have to worry about you know her saying anything and me not hearing her. There was nothing going on. I'm just, I played for like two hours straight like that. And it was, the rest of the game was not like that because I was busy. But it was a it really like this is a game that really like pulls you in and it, it's such yep. a nice experience. Yeah, I, I think when you posted on the initial kind of comment about Mirror's Edge, you know, you said any memories. And for me, it, there's there's something that always sticks in my head of the first time that I felt fully immersed in a game was when I played Halo. 
I remember I stepped out of that pod when it landed on Halo and I saw the ring stretch all the way around. You see the first, you know, Covenant kind of fly through and you're just in it. You feel like you are Master Chief. And it wasn't until I played Mirror's Edge where I had that same level of immersion. It was in just chapter one, flight. You know, cops are after you. You just found this body. You don't know where you need to go, but you know you need to run. And I just remember I just pushed forward on the stick and I just started running. And there was this feeling of I I, I, I can't think. I can't turn around. I don't want to. I'm just going to move in it. I just got to move. And there was just this feeling as a kid where I was like, oh, because I was, what I think, maybe 14, 15 when it came out then. I, I was just like, this is it. This is the game. This is what I wanted to do. And it was just such a freeing, cool experience to feel that immersed in a game. No, it, it holds it throughout the entire game. I mean, I even when this game gets way more challenging, I mean, there were a couple parts where I'm like, okay, this is frustrating. But mm-hmm. like. Anyone listening to the show will know I don't play with sound a lot. I had a sound on the entire time for this game. I didn't have podcasts. Wow. I just I just had cool. sound on, and I because I was mostly very immersed in this game. I mean, there were a few points I was less immersed, but like you know, when I died ten times and couldn't get apart, then I, then that's when I think I was yep. like, okay, headphones come out. <laughs> we're just gonna do. We're just gonna play something else in the background until I get through this part, and then we'll go back into the game. Right. There were a few. There were a few jumps that or that took me a while to get down. I just couldn't. And then when you miss that sure. jump and you're doing that long fall, man, you, you get that, that vertigo when you're falling. You <laughs> the vertigo jumps. hit me. Um, there were a couple parts where I would like make a jump or I miss a jump, but I would survive. But he, she would stand on like an edge and look straight down. And that's when the vertigo would hit me. I'm like, that's impressive. <laughs> that Because normally like games, I don't have motion sickness. Thankfully, I don't get games don't affect me like that. And this was one of the few times where I'm like, whoa, like it really only happened. When I was yeah. completely in the dark. And playing this where this is my this is like, you know, like it's me and it, it had that effect. And I'm like, God, I wish I played this. I wish this was in VR. As much as it would probably make people sick, it would be a hell of an experience in VR. Is it not? Um, have, 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 I was about to say, have mods come out? I don't think so. I mean, this this would be a vomit inducing, I feel like, if you play this in VR. <laughs> it's an iconic sequence of like the prologue where you're like jumping onto the helicopter and like just having that whole title sequence wash over you where you just see how bright and like washed out but like awesome that the the whole city looks and, and the music just scope. yeah oh, and that, that that just beautiful score for the the game like right when it's opening up yeah i don't want to call it a perfect game but there's so many things that it did so right for the time and the era and the music and the style and everything else i just got to give it so much credit yeah no it, it's a very unique i wouldn't call it perfect but there's a few games i would ever i give that title to the composer but, solar field Solar fields, huh? I, I also Musician really like... only done this in Catalyst. Oh. Huh. As a, but then also, like, other, like, actual music, not, like, soundtrack music. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a lot of, like, one thing interesting with this game, too, you have a lot of parts where you're escaping on trains to get away from things, which I think is also cool. That, you know, again, also makes sense. You have, you, you have, a, you have a place where the government is more in control, so it makes sense that there's more public transport, which there should be. I highly agree with that. But it makes sense that you have things that are more you know, less individualism, individualism, which I think what they were going for in this too, in this story is that the government, you know, you're there's not, which is not a bad, there's things I like about <laughs> this game yeah. a lot in the, in the, in the storytelling, how they like only feed you things here and there. I, I really like that. I love escaping yeah. on trains that she's like, Oh, gotta go jumps on the back of a train and off she goes and they can't find her. Faith is a numb tot confirmed. <laughs> Faith is a cool character. I mean, much as she isn't much of a character in this game, but she is like, like they give her enough back. I feel like there's enough backstory of her working with Merc who she tried to break into his his office at one point and he just taught her to be a runner and like there's enough there even though you don't you don't get a lot of backstory for her you get enough to fit what's going oh, on. Oh, absolutely. 
there, there was, I think it really was, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, I was going to say a really important point is that they show Merc and he's there in the story. He's not just a voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if they just made him a voice and had him like turn on you later, that would have made it feel so much cheaper. Well, he never turned on you though, did he? Well, no. I mean, if that was, like, oh. I can imagine that being a thing, right? He's oh, like, like in the Metroid. shadows. Yeah. Classic I'm trope. Adam. I'm yeah, not a computer. Do that. But like having him just be a character and just a person in the world, I feel like make it so much more believable. Like there are other people that are not faith doing things. Anyway, yeah, you were saying you weren't the the hero and the savior of the the world. You were just another cog in the in the machine, and you got to see some yes. of the other cogs that were moving. Yeah, yeah, you were just, and which is a, a, again a really nice touch. I like the fact that it's just you're just somebody in in here. Yeah. Yes. I think you that know, I, adds to it. I, I don't know if if it's worth touching on, but I, I know personally for me. When we talk about these characters in this world, I think it was actually, maybe I sound too, I don't know, silly when I say this, but for 2008, I think it was a really important decision to have a female lead, not an option to pick a male or a female, not, you know, a standard white guy male lead, but uh, an, an Asian identifying female lead in 2008. Because again, for me, it was Gears of War, it was Grand Theft Auto, it was games where I played, you know, masculine identifying for every game. That was just the norm. That's that's what me as a young gamer always thought <laughs> I had to do. You know, yeah. when I played fighting games, it was Yoshimitsu's, it was my Ken's, it was, it was the dudes. And so playing Mirror's Edge and being forced to have a female lead and a strong female lead at that, a well-rounded female lead, it, it it was great for me. It gave me that perspective of, of okay, this is me now. I'm I'm not an only child male who's 14 <laughs> years old. I am a female right. runner who has a sister who is framed. I am in it. Like it was just such yeah. a great immersive. Uh, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but for what it was at the time for me, groundbreaking experience. No, and you're you're not wrong at all. I mean that it wasn't something that we would have gotten as much at this time. So it definitely does have that nice reflection to it that it needed. And that I like. And then, yeah, but you have her sister and you have Cell and you have like a lot of the people you first meet are also women and like having that like those relationships as light as they may have been is like not like super in depth as they were on the screen. Just nice to have that variety right away of like, okay, you have these two, then you have Merc and everybody, but then you know, you don't really see Jackknife that often. So you know, you're mostly <laughs> talking about Kate, you're talking about Cell, and you're talking to Merc about it. Yeah, I wonder why you don't see Jackknife that much, huh? Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> I also like how you really only run into three runners. You have Faith, you have Celeste, and you have Jackknife, and two are women. I think that is also just... Because, you know, you are right. This game does do a really good job of focusing more on, you know, on female characters and things like that. And I, and I think that 100%, you know, good thing for this game. And it also was a thing that was lacking in 2008. Yes. Yeah, yeah at point, yeah. What, what other game, like, box art had a female lead on on the front of the box right like Lara Croft, tomb raider not underworld or something no, no not her body not her butt not not any of that it's it, mirror's edge is her face it is just the face looking at it that to me also strikes me as important i i mean yeah. i know it's silly and i might be no it's not here, silly. It's, but it's usually games tend when they have when they have female characters they tend to go very on the sexual end in this game doesn't at all and that is a night like with laura croft i mean again a lot of it was a great example is tomb raider underworld that came out the same year i'm gonna put the the image in the chat okay i I never played that this is the um, this is the box art for underworld oh yep (laughs) for those that don't know her face the the opposite her boobs are there 
But her boobs are there. Yeah, you know, the, the, the title superimposed over her breasts, but her waist is definitely there. Her crotch is definitely yeah. center, center, uh, lower center, but this and is Laura Croft. Norm. That was the norm for so many games. Even remember game advertisements back in 2008. I remember cracking open a Game Informer and, you know, the, the Heavenly Sword, you saw boobs and butts and, and red hair, and that's all you cared about. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that's what I thought of during these back then. To me, you know, females were something else in Grand Theft Auto that you don't even want to talk about. Like, it, it was just, it yeah, wasn't. It, it's a norm, different. I was so happy about it. And, but, you know, just what, this was a big thing in, you know, 2008 where it wasn't, you don't have that as much. And it's nice. And I mean, is, this game works really well for that. And Faith is a totally new character, too. And to have her face on the box is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I agree. Who voiced Faith? Because now that, I'm, now that we're actually going into Faith, I loved that character to a point where I would love to see her come back in something else. Let's see. I'm looking it up. Jules Dijon. Yes. Okay. Well, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> nor do I, good sir. Nor do I. <laughs> she is a voice actor... She does a lot of like cartoons. She is she was the the main lead in Skunk Fu. Okay, no idea <laughs> okay. what that is, but no, I mean she she does a does a good job of this. I mean, you know, you feel immersed with the character. You there's only was like one part in this game that really infuriated me was it's near the end when you're climbing up the tower to go get the sniper rifle. And the problem with that is, like, this game is mostly generous with checkpoints. I do want to say that this game wasn't wasn't bad with that. I, I I felt like it did a decent job in giving you checkpoints and giving you enough checkpoints. But the problem I had with that part is that everything is so like if you fall, you don't always die and they start the checkpoint. You have to climb all the way back up, and that that got to me because I yeah. fell a few times. That's <laughs> Every time I play, there's always one sequence or two where it's like, oh, God, this part. Or like, oh, that's a new part even, where it's like there's this time it was the the last level where you have to go out of the building, loop back around and come back in. I was but that just took me forever. Me. Yeah, that's where I picked up a gun and I just I murdered every single person I needed to in that last level. I uh, no regret. Not even one. <laughs> that's that's when I, f- I feel you need to yeah. really shoot people a lot like. I mean, because they're just, it gets tough. I mean, the last part of this game, when I went down the tower, I feel like I played I played it like a regular shooter because all I did was just gun people down. I wasn't even trying to play it yeah. like this game normally is. I just, I was just, I didn't care. I was like, I got a gun. There's there's other people here to reload my guns. I'm just shooting everybody. Yeah, that's how the shard was. That was the name of that mission. Okay, that that's, yeah. yeah. Yep. That's where I did it then. I didn't really pay attention to like where I was at. I just went through the game. Like, you know, you have a part where you run through a boat, which I thought was actually pretty cool when you're chasing after yep. Celeste, but you don't know it's Celeste and find out that she's a traitor. I right, like that right, too. Right. And you, you don't even do anything with it. like you don't capture her, you don't you're just like, you fucking bitch, and then <laughs> that's kinda you know what it is. You just tell your boss, like, yeah, she she tra- she betrayed us. All right, <laughs> fine. Yep. And I think that's good. I think that's a good way to put it. Like, you know, you don't arrest her, you don't kill her, you just like we're done working with her. But also, her reasoning makes sense. She betrays you because she's like, they're going to kill us all, so I join them. Yeah. I don't blame her. Shit, I'd probably do the same. God damn. So I thought that that was a good way of doing it. Like, the whole, you know, the whole idea of what makes her, you know, betray is that you find out as the game progresses, you're mostly being chased by cop, but you find out that the government is hiring these people who are trying to chase runners, which... It's also kind of cool in the aspect of their, tra- you know, one of their big focuses and spending all their money is to have to stop the transformation of the free press, essentially. So I, I think that's a cool, 
you know, because that's what it's going for. That's a cool concept. Fighting against the man. <laughs> Pretty much. And it, it, it wor- I felt like it worked well for, it worked well for me. Agreed. Not just a really, oh, Stu, did you have any parts that really got to you? As far as the story goes, like, it, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It was more just like the, I, I focused more on the animated cutscenes, right? Because I felt like that is where a lot of the narrative happened and a lot of the character development happened. And yeah, just I, I think that it was very smart the way that they did that, A, to cut down on budget. Yeah. Not have everything, you know, animated in, in engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but B, also just to give you like a little bit of break, you know, you, you've got a lot of high tension moments where you're, you're running and just here's a, a quick little two minute animated thing to, to catch your breath, kind of calm down, regroup. And uh, that that's what really kind of sticks with me in, in terms of the story and it playing out over the course of the game. Very well paced. It was very well paced. Yeah. And, and it feeds you enough story to keep you interested, but nothing too much if you're not that kind of gamer where you're just being pushed through with what's happening. And there's always... I wasn't bored playing this game at all either. Like, I was always mm-hmm. enthralled for the next part and... I mean, there were parts where I got, I had to, I had to look up YouTube like two or three times in this game where I just could not figure out what the hell to do. Yeah, that's fair. So one was been, just me. So I just, ahead. my brain could not comprehend to run on this wall. And then you could see a ledge to jump on at one point, uh, climbing that giant fucking tower. But for the most part, I was okay. I was one of the parts where I was like, this is just, I would not have figured this out. Yeah. <laughs> you, when you mentioned YouTube, YouTube actually plays a part in my time with Mirror's Edge. When it came out, I, of course, played it. I enjoyed it. But I didn't know, you know, some of the routes that you could take, especially once you beat a level, you unlock the speed run for it. And so I utilized YouTube. And this is 2008. You know, YouTube still very new. But being able to go onto YouTube and after a few months of Mirror's Edge coming out, finding people with their speed run clips on YouTube, it was a fast thing for me to do a deep dive in and then watch a speedrunner, you know, make a jump from one ledge to another that you didn't even think was possible. And then I wanted to go imitate it in the game again, because that if somebody else could do it, then I could do it, too. So I think Mirror's Edge for me was a big chance for me to watch somebody else play it on YouTube that I've never seen before, almost like early days of streaming and then go back and try it myself. And that was a fun little yes. cooperative relationship for me, checking YouTube, seeing a new speed run, seeing if I can imitate it myself back and forth, back and forth. OK, the only one of those games where it gives you the tools that you need to like have fun and have success in your own way, like. Uh-huh. like i don't know for me this time around i kept like forgetting which button did what sometimes like oh god i pressed the 180 degree turn instead of the the, the wall climb button again and then i fell you know right. but <laughs> it was still fun for the moment like it's it, there's something, actually something really really weird and satisfying where you like you jump and then you press the 180 degree turn and then she just falls falls on her back just, yes yeah that and like really immersive for me i loved it yeah it's super immersive and it's just like one of those things you can do it reminded me of a little bit of max Payne when you go into your bullet time mode and you're you're doing the slow motion turn as you're jumping and then you can even fall on your back as you're falling down i love that that bullet timey stuff so anything that yes. gets you to be able to move while you're jumping is so fun to me it's just so immersive i love it <laughs> it was immersion and mirrors it and i think that those two are just so hand in hand for me like all the times when you know you like the roll, I I, I didn't do the roll as much as I probably should have because you get hurt a lot. But I was on easy, so I, I didn't die, so it didn't matter. But 
<laughs> that role would bother me. Like my vertical would be like, okay, this is kind of like, oh, there she goes. Like going in a circle. There's, I don't like this. There's the floor. There's the sky. There's the floor again. And I'm on my feet. Okay. 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 Yeah. There were a, there were a few jumps that were like, I just, I didn't do it on purpose. Like I'll take the damage because the roll made me scared. I was going to roll right off and just die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there were parts where I didn't do that. Like you have to slide in this game where you're running. Like, I mean, so I was watching speedruns of this too, after I beat this game. And one speedrun I saw I didn't like because all they did was glitches. Like, there's tons of glitches in this game, and I don't yeah. like I don't like I mean, I want to see somebody speedrun this game the way that I would have played it. You know, just run through it really fast. Or the way that just... a professional parkourist would take on. Oh, yeah, God, that's what yes. I wanted to see. When you wa- if you watch a speedrun of this, what they do is they do a lot of... Uh, they have like there's a lot of different like jump click get you, or jump kick glitches they said and things like that where they would like get kick and then jump off a wall and keep kicking and then keep like flying across the screen and stuff like that. You just do Mario noises when that happens. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't. I didn't like it. It was just I, it, I didn't even finish it. Like I watch speedruns almost always in general. I lo- I love watching awesome games done quick and I just couldn't finish it. I'm like nope, this is not because I like this game and I don't like what they're doing. Right. I I didn't. Finish. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone get the achievement for running more than 30 seconds? Yes. I, I, I'm sure I could open up my PlayStation 3 and try to find that trophy. But I I'm not. almost positive I got it. Because that was what I was trying to get, but I just could never stay in the runner vision for like 30 seconds at a time. It, it actually was much harder than I expected. So I think I think I remember the there's a rooftop shootout that is big enough that if you if you take the time and just you know shoot all the enemies it's wide open and you can just run in a circle mm. and i think i, I yes. kind of spammed it and, and got the achievement there yeah yeah, um, I, yeah i was trying a couple of rooftops like that yeah 14 years ago on a uh, game facts chapter two you have to go down a giant hole around the edge there's a slight incline and then you just run around it like a racetrack so literally your tip was <laughs> recommended 14 years ago <laughs> <laughs> Pro strats. But there's something. Pro strats. Yeah, but there's something about the idea of it though, where it's like that seems like fun. That's something I want to do. Just try to get that going in that that much that fast for that long. Yeah. Well, also, I, I, I mean, like trophies that are fun. Same. <laughs> it's yeah. not a beat this level or do this on legendary difficulty. It's hey, you know, stand still for thirty seconds or hey, smell those flowers over there. Just like little random things. Like man, I would have never thought to do that. <laughs> so speaking of YouTube, how many? Of y'all, was Mirror's Edge your first introduction to just parkour in general? Oh, that's a good point. That's a great. I knew about it. I was like, I was like fourteen when I played this. Fifteen, I I knew about parkour, but I never took it seriously. Perhaps. When did that Office episode where they kept shouting parkour come out? Yeah, because I I feel like that's those are the two big points. Like you either know about it from the Office or you know about it from (laughs) Mirror's Edge. Like those are the only two (laughs) entry points. Season six, episode one, The Office, uh, September 17th, 2009. Boy, 2008 through 2010 was the years of parkour, man. Because <laughs> that also reminds me of like Ninja Warrior stuff, too, which I'm pretty sure yeah. was on G4 TV yeah. at the time. So I really do think like there was such an influx of, of free-running mentality during the late 00s that everybody was kind of hopping on it. So between The Office, between a, a Ninja Warrior, between Assassin's Creed and now Mirror's Edge, there was a lot of mentality of freedom. I think Assassin's Creed was the other big one too, of just like you were climbing everywhere. And I think it's uncharted even to a degree, you know, just yep. the idea is you're climbing, you're vaulting, you're doing stuff. But yeah, Assassin's Creed and this together, I think really defined it for a lot of people who maybe who didn't even watch The Office. 
Right. I didn't ever watch The Office. <laughs> I, I haven't <laughs> this either. Been I got, yeah. I'm literally drinking from a Dunder Mifflin mug right now. I so. have no idea why I've never watched The Office. To, like, there's, I have no, yeah. And I like that. I would like that stuff like that. I'm sure I've just never seen it. Yeah. Did Monday. we just manage to connect Mirror's Edge to The Office? Because man, this is my favorite history. <laughs> what it would, I mean, it would make sense to have stuff like that. That somehow this had affected, you know, that world and and added more to it. I mean, I can definitely see it because i mean like again this would have been for a lot of people an entry point to get them you know into what's going on with other things and and getting into parkour i mean parkour becomes like assassin's creed what year is assassin's creed that 2007 yeah first assassin's creed yeah yeah oh nine was the guy's assassin's creed too yeah they did move freaking fast on that didn't they yep i mean all (laughs) of them did and the amount of shit they changed and revamped from one to two is so crazy Yes, two is. I'm actually replaying one later this year for the first time since God, 2009 probably. So I'm Godspeed I'm, to you. I'm looking. I'm actually very, very excited because I'm gonna come. We're complete. I'm completely diving into that series over the next couple of years to try to play through that series, just like I'm doing with Kingdom this, Hearts. Uh, yeah, this in Kingdom Hearts. Oh uh, God. But yeah, I would. <laughs> Assassin's Creed One is one of the few games I'd love to see get remade, just so it can have the 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 new stuff or like at least a more modern control scheme. I I also want to say, like with this game, the control scheme is is simple enough, but also there's there's enough to it. Like you really just have run, slide, jump, jump off walls, sort of run across walls, but everything it 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 feel it's enough. It all feels like just enough. Yeah, simple and refined. I think is a good word to describe. Simple and clean. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? She didn't smell the darkness in this game, Dominic. So. No, there's too much light. There's too much thing of hearts <laughs> happening. She can't smell over the light. <sighs> Faith has auto-sensory issues, actually, so I would appreciate if you could respect her, her disability. <laughs> oh, I did appreciate that in this game that you... I, well, one thing I didn't realize until I watched a YouTube video, you can break glass. You can either shoot it or you can break oh, it with your yeah. hand. There's yeah. one part, I think you have to do that. I had no idea what to do, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Duck. So I would the, not... There's just simple things like that. They're so good. It was just funny to me that it was that it was that simple. It was like all you really you just have to like because there's a gun on 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 the table and you're supposed to pick up the guy's gun and then from there you're able to use the gun to shoot the glass. You had a good placement too of the gun. Think about it, right? Right? Like, it was. You might not have known to break the glass, but the gun at least gives you that extra little. Well, A is B yeah. and B is C. Then A must equal C. If you notice it and don't skip it like I did, yes. <laughs> I skipped the gun a couple times where I was like, oh, okay. Then I finally went back and did it and understood, like, all right, now I get what the game is trying to tell me. <laughs> so, yeah. well, there's the, the, the simple things like that, or like the way the lighting adjusts when you go from outdoors or indoors to outdoors. It has that like glare adjustment, like from the sunlight. Remember Fallout 3 did the same thing. You come out of the vault and you get that, that bright ray of sunshine right in yes. your face because it's the first time. Yeah, I mean, all of that, that 2008 gameplay of like that going from one place to another and not knowing what to expect and being almost blinded by the introduction to it was such a good trope in video games that I've always yes. appreciated. Being blinded by the light? It literally revved up <laughs> like a douche. <laughs> but this is the same era as like the darkness where you could just watch To Kill a Mockingbird for the entire time. Like it was just simple things like that that were impressive because they existed. And like it was just experimenting over and over. Wait, hold on. Can we touch base on this? What do you mean to kill a mockingbird? In the darkness, <laughs> you can just watch a movie. <laughs> what? Yeah. When I you're mean, in the I, early I, part where you're with your girlfriend in her apartment. Oh, 
Right, where you're jacking and you sit down on the couch with her. Yeah. Yes. And it's like the last time that you have. Oh, yes. man, I felt like, because 2008, I was only 13 or 14. I skipped that. I just sat down for like two seconds. I was like, all right, this is boring. I didn't know that there was actually To Kill a Mockingbird on the TV. Yeah, you can, just, game. you can watch oh, it from beginning to end with her and have that entire experience. And it's just I do. one of those things you can do. <laughs> oh, another thing I... I want to bring up Mirror's Edge, too, is that, like, with the combat, like, if the enemies do a good job of changing, like, first they hear off, it's just cops with handguns, and then later on you get more into SWAT, and you get into the the the, the runner killers, essentially, and I feel like it does a really good job of, like, upping that, you know, upping that tension with it, and not, it doesn't become too overwhelming, because by the time, like, with the runners, like, you know you shouldn't be doing combat, you should just be running, not trying to fight these guys. Because you can't, yes. like, you can't counter them. You can't do anything. They'll just keep. They're, they're designed. I mean, they're you know trying to kill you, which again makes sense because you're not a government operative. You're just a you're just a woman who runs letters back and forth. So yeah, it worked well for that. The progression system, I would yeah. say, is is nice in that aspect from the enemies to everything else. And this game is still fucking beautiful for an OA game. Like I played this on PC, yes. and it was it still looks so good. I mean, it, everybody talks about how good it looks to the point where people want. Uh, you know, EA to do something with the remake. Catalyst yeah. is it. I mean, I would love to see a 4K edition of, of what Mirror's Edge was. Yeah, but I, I don't, EA is EA, so I got <laughs> This is one of those happy accidents that just happens, right? And it's yeah. like, man, I, I wish the company would do stuff like that more often, but. Yeah, just bold enough, just, you know, unique enough to, to really make a, an impact. And it didn't even make that, to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like Mirror's Edge really shown until two or three years after it came out because it came out the same year that grand theft auto what, three four four did came out the same year that little big planet did so it lost it got snubbed during the year that i think it came out and so yeah. i think that, that kind of cult following didn't happen until two three four years later when people were going back and saying man this game is well worth my time and energy it's one of those it's one of those games go ahead sorry it, it definitely gained a following when there was a lull and when EA was not talking about doing anything else with it or like saying, you know, we're not doing another mirror's edge. Like when people get told no, then <laughs> like, you know, I think yeah. that that is where that, that cult following that mystique kind of built up over the years in between mirror's edge and catalyst is because they were so adamant, like, no, we're not doing anything else with it. Like, it's still a possibility, but there's nothing in the works. Like that just made more people flock to the original. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, it's one of those, I'm going to say it's one of those games. That I just remember hearing the story so many times growing up of like, you know, yeah, we expect to sell like 3 million copies of this. <laughs> oh, we sold a million. A million's not good enough. I mean, not that's spending this kind of money. Yeah. Like, I feel like in the switch era, it doesn't happen as often as it used to, but like, that was the story you heard. Like, yeah, you know, EA doesn't want, I do anything because didn't sell what they wanted it to and it doesn't matter it's a cult following and well i think we're just we're really kind of also seeing the the change of really big developers and triple a game being less i think we're we're gonna get more into an indie world or just yeah. you don't because again game like when you're when you're making a game that costs that many millions of dollars i mean you need it to sell you know millions upon millions of copies at you know 60 bucks 70 bucks and that's not that's not the world for everything right Right. Especially with gaming, because you could always go back. You could always play a game like you just did that came out. <laughs> like I do every day, every week. 15 years ago. I mean, gaming isn't movies. And I think even nowadays, a lot of gaming industries, a lot of gaming publishing companies struggle with that mentality. 
that if it doesn't sell this much in the first week, the first month, that it wasn't successful. But with right. things like Game Pass, with things like streaming now, you could always go back and play these older games and they're still find some sort of audience, even 5, 10, 15 years down the road. So there needs to be that future investment with a lot of these publishing companies that I think we kind of lost sight of in the last 10 or so years where they're not willing to make those risks for future investments of somebody might pick this game up and find it a cult classic and then it'll come back. I think that they're relying a lot more on safety. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought that's completely fair. And, and let's go back to 2008, you. guys. Yeah, that's it. Let's just time travel back. 2008. That's where it so <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> there's a there's a really interesting like comparison to make here too, right? Because this is 2008, and if we're talking about like first person experiences around this era, starring women that are unique and totally new and delivering something more to first person stuff. The other game to talk about is Portal. Yes, yes, Shell. You're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. Like, Uh and like, Shell does not have as much of a story or as much of a voice as Faith does, but like, that was the time. Like, new characters, new things, new experiences. New control schemes. I remember when I played Portal, there was this mentality of you have to relearn controls. You know, speedy thing go in, speedy thing go out. I had to to learn that (laughs) myself. And it was true. And in terms of Mirror's Edge, that same uniqueness, yeah, God. I, I still say it. Take me back to 2008. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was optimistic and bright and shiny, and you could do a lot of different stuff and play as a lot of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're saying things aren't optimistic right now? How can you say that? <laughs> I mean, seeing as how Dead Space Remake just came out, it's still optimistic. We had Dead Space in 2008, <laughs> and now we got Dead Space in 2023. Also, now I'm on Wikipedia. Both Portal and Mirror's Edge end with the song called Still Alive. That's cool. I also, like, this is another, like, the whole story with this game, also, it's not a big thing about how we can, you know, save, like, you're not trying to save the world, you're just really trying to save your sister. And it was nice playing a game with a much smaller plot line like that, without having a big, like, you know, this is just a, a very contained experience. I mean, you really don't even like she's not even you're not even like, again, like we talk about, you're not even really trying to deliver letters. You're just trying to save your sister because she's getting framed and the government is going to like, oh, yep, she's guilty, even though she's not. And we didn't probably do very much, you know, trying to figure out like, oh, she's guilty. Yes. <laughs> and that played to its strength. That really just played to its strength. I didn't feel like I was, you know, find the lost cat in mission one and then kill God in the end. Like, it wasn't <laughs> anything like that. It was just a good, almost familial story. And I liked that. I, it, I, I don't really have much bad to say about Mirror's Edge. I think at the end of the day, the more that we talk about it now, the more I'm like, dang, this was a pivotal game for me. Okay. I think it's a pivotal game in, in, in general, too. Like, I think that's something that really has to be kind of stated by that. It, it's just such a... You know, I mean, I do because I have not I have not played the sequel at all. I want to now. I've heard a lot of people talk shit about it over the years, but so I'm, I'm curious about it now. I don't know anything about it other than I, I know something to do with open world. I don't know much, much. I will say I played it. I have it, but I have not played it since I played it the first time. Whereas Mirror's Edge 1, I still could go back to and play a level or two just to feel, you know, good. Like it, it's Feel alive point. again. Just to feel alive again. <laughs> still alive if you say uh but when it comes to catalyst i just never i don't know never went back to it for some reason yeah i think it's a case of before it came out mirror's edge fans were like man imagine if if we could have mirror's edge but it was open world and like that's what we thought that we wanted and then we got it and (laughs) just something about taking that that 
direction or that guidance that is in the levels of mirrors as one. Like, you know where you're trying to go. You know what you're trying to do. And removing that and just giving you a sandbox to run around in, it kind of takes some of the magic out of it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, that's probably exactly what it was. And I just never really thought about it that way. Could you imagine how angry EA must have felt? Like, oh man, they really want an open world sequel. Let's deliver it to them and give them the best we can. Delivers it, nobody wants it. Mother! <laughs> it was just oh, I'm it's sure they like, were, because the series is... They're like, you know what, let's give them Battlefield then and make it shit. That's, that was their logic after Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Yeah, Dice, that's all you do now, Battlefield. Battlefield Hardline, Battlefield 2042, Battlefield 5, Battlefield. You sound like Bubba Gump. (laughs) (laughs) I have not played any of the Battlefield games in a very, very long time. Would you believe that the last Battlefield game I played was Bad Company 1? That might. I played that too. That's a that's a decent game. Depends on what year you played it, though. Uh, I want to say when it came out, but that whole timeline is blurry. When did Bad Company come out? 2008. (laughs) <laughs> take me back take me back <laughs> but no this, I mean for yeah, I'm, I'm actually I will probably play Catalyst and probably not this year just because I I don't think I'm, I have other stuff I want to do but at some point yeah. I'm going to throw Catalyst <laughs> on the show now has anybody yeah, I mean, played the mobile game there's a mobile game for this there's a Mirror's yes, there Edge is. a mobile Mirror's Edge mobile game it is somewhat of a sequel I believe or a prequel how does I that even work? I I don't know, man. You it's probably like a, <laughs> It's probably like a side-scrolling game. I mean, like a, like the Assassin's Creed side games or something. Oh, those are decent, by the way. There you go, Mikey. Has Some of them are to your list. <laughs> oh no, I, mobile games are a whole different thing because it's usually by the time I find out that they exist, like something like this, it's probably long gone. You can't. I will. I, I will oh, send yeah. you my old razor, and you have to download. <laughs> The game. I mean, it's just yeah. Mobile. I mean, mobile games have, are now. I mean, can be some can be really good, but so many are just microtransactions that you know that's yes. how. Except I, I completely understand. I play Marvel Snap now every day, and I spent money on Marvel Snap, so I completely get it. But yeah, it, mobile games have definitely grown, so I, I don't blame you there. Okay. Uh, any last things you guys want to say about Mirror's um, Ed that we haven't covered yet, and we'll go on to our, our next segment. No, Stu, do you have anything? Uh, if you haven't played it, I think. It is definitely one of those games that, you know, if, if you enjoy new experiences, you should definitely give a shot. Like, I, I think that it has informed so much of what I enjoy and look for in, like, new games yeah. that uh, I, I can't speak highly enough about the experience and how formative it was in, you know, every game I've played since. Okay. And I know, Stu, we're going to have to lose you here quick, I saw. So we're going to do something a little differently. Um, I just want to do shelf stacker box just for you, so we can get that taken, so we get that out of the way for you. So yep. you can. Um, what we do for that is we just say, you know, just st- shelf means something you really like, stack means something you like, but not as much, and box means something you dislike. And we'll just do just yours, and we'll go on to another segment from there. No worries. Uh, so, what is your shelf stacker box, do? So, I think the the art style, the the design, everything about it is what sets it apart for me. Like in my memory, just everything about the look of the game, the way that like each area kind of stood out and was its own thing, even with a very minimalist, modernist art style. I think that that, if you could take anything from Mirror's Edge, that would be what I would do. The The stack would be, I think the the death animation and like how quickly you can restart is a little too long. 
I, I would shorten that up a bit. At the box, you can just throw all the gunplay in the box. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can get that. All right, that works. All right, thank you, Stu. Yeah. All right, and then we'll go on to questions, comments, or memories. I do have a few things that I, I want to read and get. Let me see. I got a few comments. I didn't get a ton, but I did get, I think I got more than I expected for this game. Because people people do love this game, and I was happy to see that. I never know what I'm going to get when I post. So, <laughs> uh, first from the I watched the entire Overblood Super Replay uh, from Kenny Butcher. Been a hot minute since I played it, but it took me a second time to get in the groove, but I basically straight shot the game in a single sitting. I really enjoyed it, and I liked the pressure on just running through and avoiding everyone. I didn't do the no-kill run, but it was really fun. I kind of want to do a no-kill run, but I don't think I don't foresee that happening. So <laughs> It's so fun. It is so good. I think I, after talks, I might go back to it now. You guys have me really excited to maybe <laughs> go in with a fresh mind and see if I can do a no-kill run. Like It'll be hard, but it's like a Dark Souls thing. <laughs> and you get an achievement if you still care about those. Or trophy. <laughs> trophy, yeah. I used to care way too much about those. I way too much. I yep. stopped caring and it increased my enjoyment with video games tenfold once I stopped caring. Yeah, because I would literally do things. I mean, there are still games where I will just like, okay, kill a guy with this gun. Okay, I'll just use this gun to get the achievement. It's not that I care, but since it's there and I have right. and I'm using the weapon anyway, like, okay, why not? Right. But there were times where I would literally look at a look at an achievement guide. Okay, what do I have to do? Like, Dead Space One, for example, I only I, the reason I play that game now with only the plasma cutter is because of the achievement one gun, and I just stuck with it, and now I just stick with it because that's my favorite gun in Dead Space. <laughs> so, but I think the yeah, only one, that's one of those that examples. Finished, finished Dead Space Three was because of the achievements. Otherwise, I don't know that I would have made it. The game's not that bad. It's not, it's that not but it, it's not great like the first two. No, yeah. I, I I like well, I beat almost every game I start. But that's partly because of the show, and partly because I I just I have a weird compl- I have a com- I have a thing about that, right? I I try to. It, it only a few games have really broken me where I'm like, fuck this crap, and I turn it off. <laughs> it takes a lot to push me to that level, especially if I can cheat. Oh, <laughs> all right, and from Andrew Lockhart, absolutely solid game. I don't remember how many times I've beaten it, but such an enjoyable game. From Henry Chan. I have the bad take of liking Catalyst a lot more. Mirror's Edge is cool as hell, but I think a lot of the interests and tech that make it fun are pretty hard to grasp. Some of the levels and sections are also just miserable, but then I'm far from good at Mirror's Edge. That's interesting. You know, I don't usually hear people like the second game more. So Yeah, that's a that's a unique take. Well, it's it's Henry, so we'll give him a green. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Again, I'm really know. curious about Catalyst now. I, I might have to play it next year, finally. I own mm. it, so... I uh, bought it on. I think I have an X. Well, I have an Xbox One, and my Xbox One is dead, so I'd, I'd have to rebuy it. But that's not an issue. I'm sure it's cheap. <laughs> and from Star Myers, friend of the show, I have wanted to beat this game so many times. Last time I played it, though, maybe about two years ago, it felt mechanically so rough around the edges. I think I barely got past the tutorial and was sad. I think a remaster today would be rad as rad as hell. Okay. Yeah, it would be. It would be cool. I I agree. Like we, I know we mentioned it briefly earlier. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind at. I wouldn't mind at all seeing this remastered into something. Just yeah. change it a little bit. Oh, this game is also super broken, by the way, if you're a speedrunner. A lot of the walls don't exist, and there's lots of easy ways to get past them, I saw. So. Ooh, Can't wait to do a YouTube deep dive now of some of these speedruns just to see what... Just awesome games done has. quick. Look that up, and you'll see how much the, like, they just they jump over walls, and they get they climb up something and jump over, and like, there's just no... Ba- like, the game has very few barriers. Okay. You know, like, they weren't... I don't... You know, they, they didn't give a shit, or they weren't expecting people to do what they're doing, or care. Right. I'm not sure. It's interesting. All right. And then from Jose Barrinitos. Love it. Probably one of my favorite action games. Back in the day, I used to replay it constantly. Just moving around and optimize, optimizing runs, etc. Got 
me many hours of fun in that art direction. 14 years and the game still looks stunning. Yep. <laughs> and from Blake England, friend of the show, I've never been a big replayer or post-game content guy, but I remember being drawn to and having fun with the time trials in this game. How did you enjoy those, if at all? <laughs> I, well, like I said, for me, it was YouTube. You know, I wanted to do the time trials. I realized my time didn't even you know break the top 500. I watched YouTube, I went back to the game, and I just kept trying and trying. It was it was fun. <laughs> it was just darn fun. <laughs> yeah, from- it's almost like a, a second game, right? Because you, you play through the story, and then you start doing the time trials. And even the first level, I remember, like, there's three three medals, essentially, bronze, silver, gold, or whatever mm-hmm. the denomination is. Mm-hmm. But you go through it, and you're like, man, I really blazed through that one. I'm, I'm sure that it was a, a gold medal. And no, it's barely a bronze. how did everyone do collecting the messenger bags i did not get all of them i looked for them them. i didn't either i didn't either oh and for the record i do own mirror's edge catalyst on pc apparently on steam so (laughs) i didn't know i had it 2024 mirror's edge catalyst let's go probably probably will be next year because i'm i'm (laughs) i'm interested but no, I didn't collect, to answer your question, I didn't collect many messenger bags. If I found them, I'd grab them once in a while. I would explore, but for the most part, I was just booking through the game. I wasn't interested in anything else. There was a time, I think it was even for Grand Theft Auto uh, that came out the same year, where there was 100 pigeons. Isn't that what it was for GTA? That you had to kill 100 pigeons, or you had to do 100 of these types of collectible things? And for me, I wrote down every one that I killed, because there were 100. So I figured if I saw it just in you know, the wild, I'll take care of it. And then I'll write down on a little notebook pad where I did it. So if I wanted to come back and actually get the achievement, I know which ones I already did. So that was the most involved that I ever got for any sort of oh. collecting uh, 150, 10 of these random items in the world. But when it came to Mirror's Edge, I was just too into the game that I didn't want to have to come back and take notes and do anything else. I, I felt more just, eh, if I found it, I found it. If not, I'll keep moving on. Mm. Okay. That's a good way to do it, though. I, I, I went through my phase of trying to get collectibles. I won't ever again. Yeah. Unless they <laughs> give you something in-game that makes the game more fun or unlocks, you yeah. know, a hidden ending, I'm not going for it. No, it's too much. Uh, from Lucas Lanucci, a great game I still replay often. I always thought Faith was a really cool character, especially in a much less diverse era of gaming, like we talked about. Yeah. And from official Laser Time community, I got two comments from Jamie Petra. I was determined to beat this pacifist my first time. The last quarter felt like banging my head on bricks, but I finally figured out and was so ridiculously proud. I love this game. Okay. Yeah, that last quarter, there's so many fucking enemies near the end, but it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And from Ale- Alexander Scott, imagine this for VR now. I want to. I really want to. <laughs> uh, so that would be awesome. All right. Be and then for sure. Okay. And then from the giant bomb group, I got a couple I'm going to read from Michael Colby. I've never gotten sicker faster than I did trying to play to zero to puke town in like three minutes. Wow. <laughs> All aboard the train to puke town. I mean, that's yeah. again, I know that's how it would be if I played this in, in VR, but I really want to try it now. Just to see, just to give it a shot. I'm sure I won't be okay for long, but it would be a <laughs> fun experience. So, and then from Mark Brook, love this game. I was obsessed with making sure my first playthrough didn't involve firing a weapon. Also love the, love the theme song. Still alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She didn't know that was from Portal. It, no, no, hold on. It's different songs. It's oh, but the same Still Alive. I was going to say, okay, that makes more sense. All right. I was like, why is it the same song? <laughs> wasn't Still Alive it's the Portal good. song title, too? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it wasn't just me. All right. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> and I got two more I'm going to read. I, I don't know but, if you knew, but songs can have the same titles. I know it sounds crazy, 
I mean, this is the era where EA was publishing Valve games on PS3 and stuff. I don't know. I think they might have stolen it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then from Alex Arona, Mirror's Edge Catalyst isn't as good, but still solid. And last one I'm going to read from Johan Larson. Two things I always think about when I think about Mirror's Edge. One morning after another all-nighter playing the game when it was new, my then-girlfriend asked me to take a break from this game. I apparently pretty aggressively in my sleep shouted, Fucky Mirror's Edge. Love the game. (laughs) Also was a bit frustrated with it. Uh, thanks to a previous job, I had contact with an employee at Dice. Since I wasn't allowed to talk about my job with other people, I asked about Mirror's Edge and a potential sequel. After some convincing, they confirmed that they were working on it. This was almost a year before Catalyst was announced, and I never told anyone. This person also gave me a copy of Battlefield 3 on, a P- on PS3 a week before release. Oh. <laughs> that's cool. All right. All right. That's all the comments I have, and that'll bring us to a shelf stacker box. And Dominic, what about you? Oh, I mean, it's on the shelf as far as, like, this era of, like, PS3, 360 games ago. This is one of the more interesting, one of the ones that holds up really well. And talking about like how good the game still looks, it's like this and Wind Waker are just so emblematic of the 2000s. Okay. And Nathan? Yeah. Um, I mean, when it comes to shelf, you know, I'm actually imagining like a gamer shelf right now, right? All my video games lined up. And how cool would it be to have like a statuette of Faith on a wall? Like her character design, <laughs> everything about it was so cool. So, to me, Shelf, just the, the style, the character, even the story, uh, th- there's not much that I didn't like about the game. You know, the gunplay, sure, I understand that it was the weaker part, but I think that's kind of the point. So to me, this game would be a highlight on my shelf. Anybody that would come over to walk around and, and see this game, I would love to have it proudly displayed because I'm, I'm proud of it in my gaming history. So I'd say every aspect, all even right. the, the, the slight Hell yeah. Yeah, shelf at all, man, let's go. That's cool. All right, and I'll go last. I'm also gonna put this on the shelf. I had a, I came into the game with with low expectations. I just, well, I didn't really have any expectations. I didn't know what I was gonna think of a game from from OA because, and I had a great time. I mean, it did frustrate me a few times where I'm like, fuck, this game is hard. But I had a really good time playing it. I really liked it. And like I said, now I'm actually excited to play the sequel. So it's definitely going on the shelf, and I'm I'm glad that I finally got around to playing it because it, it it deserved it. And sometimes I, I I sit on games for a long time. <laughs> so. Yeah, me too. You sit on them until they hatch, and then you have a beautiful chicken of a game to play. Something like that. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I just wait a while. I mean, I have so many games to play, and I have so much. I just don't get the stuff. So I guess I misunderstood the uh, the shelf stacker box thing. Oh, you're fine. But yeah, I, I have a Mirror's Edge tattoo on my chest, so it's definitely a, a shelf for me. <laughs> right, you do? Cool. That's awesome. That's really freaking cool. <laughs> it, was, it was my first gaming tattoo. Yeah. So I, I did the like the circuit board that Faith has on her arm. So that kind of design, uh, but with the Mirror's Edge logo in the middle and then like the, the circuit board design shaped in a heart. Man, you really buried your lead on this one, dude. Yeah. <laughs> For an hour and you're like, oh, by the way, I have Mirror's Edge etched onto my body permanently for the rest of my life. But yeah, it's whatever. I don't mind the game. It's no. fine. <laughs> Fucking, yeah. I love that. Oh, I got the perfect people then for this episode. People that really love this game. All right, that is awesome. All right, and the last thing I do want to mention, I want to mention what I'm be talking about next week. So next week I'm gonna be talking about Infamous Two, which is also another game that I played for the first time. I don't think it's always no, that's like oh nine or ten. Okay, so you get to hear me talk all about Infamous Two next week. And Dominic, where can people find you at? Yeah, you can find me in the Overboard Facebook group. I'm on YouTube. I'm on the Dissident Waves uh, podcast. I'm on Twitter at D-A-C-I-C-H-O-C-K-I. 
Right. And also want to give a shout to my to our sponsor we have for this month, uh, Angels Tipsy Tumblers. You'll see a link in the show notes. You heard an ad when you first listened to this episode. Definitely go check her out. She does customize uh, tumblers and also many different things. So and they use the code Games Twenty Twenty Three to save ten percent and help out the show. So go do that, please. <laughs> and we also want to help out the show. Uh, we do have a Patreon for a little dollar. You can vote in our Patreon. We have polls every month and. My ass forgot that this is the new poll time, so I should really figure out what the hell that was going to be. It's going to be uh, Scarlett Johansson movies I have never seen. So that's going to be the poll. <laughs> what are the options? Um, That is a good question. I had it, but then it got deleted with my old phone. So I, I know it's going to be Other Bolden Girl, because I've never seen that movie, and it has two actresses I really like. Under the Skin, because I know people have been telling me I need to watch that movie. The Score, because it has Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. Well, and I, I don't. I don't have a fourth one at the at the top of my head. You should do. Let's see. What has she been? <laughs> see, I forgot. To, that, I had to do this this week. <laughs> what about that uh, Adam Driver one, uh, Marriage Story? Oh yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm going to do her. her. So her is the other option because I oh, people telling me I should watch her. I've never her seen that. I was going to say you should do the movie North, her one of her first movies. <sighs> directed by <laughs> Rob the, Reiner. The score is kind of early. The score is like the Marlon Brando film, isn't it? I have no idea. I believe it is. Let's I just see. know Chris Evans is in it, and it's something that I think I should see. I've never even heard of North before. Okay. So yeah, so you get to vote for that. You get to choose what we're going to cover. As little as a dollar, you can vote in our poll. We also have a Discord. Please join our Discord. You'll see a link in the show notes. And also want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Hasfree. You can follow her on TikTok. And want to give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who started his own podcast, at Gamer Looks at 40, where he interviews people about how video games affect their lives. And much, a very deep show. Very good. Definitely go check him out. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We are on YouTube also, audio only, but we are there. And I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.